Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. What's up, church? It's so good to be with you this weekend. And I am so excited to continue our new series, Asking for a Friend. Pastor Caleb started it off last week, kicked it off for us, and answered the question, why would a good God allow bad things to happen? And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that message, make sure you go back, um, go on our website or any of our social media platforms, and you'll find a link to it. But I really believe that it sets a foundation for the message today. But let me tell you what weeks we will be, uh, what questions we'll be talking about in the weeks ahead. So last week, Caleb talked about why would a good God allow bad things to happen. This week, I get to talk about how can I hear God's voice and know his will. Has anybody else asked that in their lives? I bet all of us on multiple occasions. And next week, we'll be talking about is if the Bible really is God's word. I know many questions, very popular, frequently asked questions that we're going to tackle. And we're going to do it in such a way that really illuminates the word of God. And actually one week, we're going to be doing a panel discussion with some of our pastoral staff. And we're going to hit on some questions that you might have been asking and haven't gotten a chance to send in your questions. So if you have some questions you've been thinking about asking God, um, you know, jumping in the word, trying to figure out what the word says about these questions. Why don't you go ahead and fill out the form, projectchurch.com slash questions. Send in your questions. We'd love to, as a panel, um, address any of those questions you might have. But again, today we're talking about how can I hear God's voice and know his will? It's a very frequently asked questions. And as a pastor, Caleb and I and the rest of our staff, we are asked this question commonly. And I'm glad people ask us because it's a question that we have quite regularly. What is God's will? You know, recently, Caleb, actually this past weekend, he cleared out our garage um, because we had boxes in there that haven't been emptied since a year ago, which is when we first moved into our house. And so we finally thought, let's be productive. Let's clean out this garage. Let's not procrastinate anymore. And he started cleaning out. And let's be honest, Caleb did most of the cleaning out and sorting. Thank God for my husband. Um, But I, at one point, walked into the garage and I saw that he was, his nose was in a notebook. And I recognized the notebook as one of my journals from college. And I thought, huh, what is he reading? Turns out it was a journal from the years about when we had met. And everything from then until, you know, we actually got together and became boyfriend and girlfriend. So there were a lot of boys and years and significant moments in my life in that span of time. And they're all in that journal and my husband was reading it all. And I had to, for a moment say, he's reading my journals. But then I remembered, you know, when we got married, two became one, we're at one, nothing is hidden from my husband. But it did make me laugh because as I thought about all the life-altering decisions that I was making in those very formative early 20 years, 20s, those years are so formative, I bet there were so many pages that I wrote down, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I think that's the question that we are always asking 
ourselves and what we're asking. So I want to address this concept of, God, what do you want me to do? What is God's will for my life? Before I talk about hearing God's voice, I just want to address quickly about this idea of what God's will is. This is a question many of us ask no matter where we are on our spiritual journey. And I think the keys of answering this question can be found in James 1, 5 through 6. It says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, wisdom is the will of God. The wisdom of God is the will of God. So if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask who gives, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. You know, I believe as it relates to God's will and the wisdom of God, that God invites our questions, even the questions of our friends. He invites them. He is not trying to hide himself from us. He's not playing hide and go seek. He's not trying to confuse you. And he's definitely not trying to manipulate you. You know, as we seek God's will, when we get frustrated and we can't hear God and we still don't know what his will is, I believe that we end up as a defense mechanism, coping mechanism, we start to get angry at God. But I want you to know here from the get-go that it says that God generously gives without reproach answers to our questions. If any of you lacks wisdom or understanding of his will, just ask him, ask God what his will is. He's not trying to hide himself from you. I also believe that God's answers to your questions will number two, give you peace. You will be given peace. But if you ask without faith, then you're gonna continue to doubt and be tossed like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Here's the thing, when we ask God and we we open up and we give him all our questions, all our doubts, he's faithful to generously give back to us. And what he gives us is peace. We're not gonna be you know, whipped by the wind and the waves any longer. If we just inquire of God, he wants to give us his will. He wants to reveal that to us. And number three, I believe that these verses show us about God's will, that he is good. He says, ask me, I wanna give generously. That kind of character is the character of somebody that is good. God is good. His will for you is good. Jeremiah 29, 11, we quote it all the time. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. He wants to prosper you. He wants to give you good things. He wants to reveal himself to you because he's a good God. Because our God is good, he's gonna reveal his will to you. But here's the thing. The challenge with knowing God's will is trying to hear from God so that we can do his will. But furthermore, the problem with hearing God's voice is that we don't know if we're hearing God's voice or our own voice. Have you ever, you know, come against that? Like, is that God or is that me? So listen, the world and the culture will always tell you to do whatever makes you happy. Do what your heart is telling you. And I want to tell you right now that that is very bad advice. How many people know that if we make a decision solely on the basis of being happy, that that can lead to destruction? I know many of us have made impulsive decisions just because we knew it was going to be happy, but it left lifelong or longer than we had imagined consequences in our lives. And so Proverbs 14, 12, let me read this to you to warn you and to remind you, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. 
listen, not listening to God can be fatal. Either our our emotional or our spiritual lives can be put to death or even our physical lives if we are only seeking to be happy in a moment. And what seems right to us, in the end, it leads us to death. Jeremiah 79, it says that the heart is deceitful above all things. So in order to hear from God and know his will, we've got to discern the voice of God and really delineate our voice from his voice. So I have five things that will give you a filter for if you have an impression in your mind or if you have a thought in your mind that you can run it up to these questions. Ask these five questions to try to figure out if this is God's will. If all five of them say, yes, this is God, then go for it. And if if one of them is wrong, if two of them are wrong or three are wrong and only one of them is right, I would say, yellow light, slow down, don't go there. It could lead you to destruction. So here's the first question. When you're trying to hear God's voice and discern his voice over yours. Number one, does my thought line up with the Bible? You know, we say at Project Church that the Bible is our guide because we believe that the Bible is the word of truth. God is truth. His word is truth. It does not change. Opinions change. Trends change. The way we do church change. I mean, look at us. We're all online now. We're not meeting physically. Things change, but the word of God, the message that you hear from Project Church and hopefully every other church that claims to be Christ followers will not change because the Bible is the one thing that we can stand on. It's the one thing that we know to be truth from the beginning to the end forever and ever. It is eternal. Eternal. God's word is not fickle and God's word and will will never contradict one another. It will never contradict one another. Here's what I'm trying to say. If you ever have the thought or the impression that maybe I shouldn't pay my taxes because, you know, I have too, mother, too many other bills to pay. Well, the Bible says that we should pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. In other words, we should honor the governing officials and authorities that give us these rules and regulations because it will be good for us. And so I'm gonna just encourage you, pay your taxes. You know that that's gonna lead to other consequences that I don't think God wants for your life. We can't go away from the truth of God's word and think that our way is better. So I'm telling you right now, if you think that was a great idea, that thought was not from God. And also if you are married and you see somebody else who's not your spouse and you think, I think that person would be better to spend time with and maybe even sleep with, that is not a thought from God. I don't care how more God-fearing that individual is than your spouse. That is not God's plan. He says in his word that you that's adultery, that that is outside of his will. There are consequences to those behaviors. God's word will not contradict with his will. So ask yourself, does my thought line up with the Bible? Number one, number two, does my thought make me more like Jesus? Do you remember those bracelets that we used to wear and they say, what would Jesus do? That really is a great question to live by. We should be coming, we should be becoming more like Jesus every day that we walk with him. How many people know that the more you are in relationship with somebody, the more you kind of become like them. I used to not care for Harry Potter. I used to not care that much for the Lord of the Rings, but my husband is a diehard fan. I like both (laughs) and I will endure. And now it's not even just enduring, it's enjoying. And so what about this thought in my mind? Is it making me more like Jesus? 
James 3, 14 through 16 also gives us some really practical advice. It says this, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Do not think that it's truth. Don't think that, oh yeah, I'm jealous and I'm selfish. That must be truth. This thought that's coming in my head. It says this in verse 15, this is not the wisdom of God. This is not the will of God that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, even demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Let me stop right there. If you have a thought in your head that provokes jealousy, selfish ambition, then it's not from God. If you have this great idea and this great strategy for a business that all you care about is getting rich, I don't know if that's directly from God. I don't know if, if you, you, you're thinking, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do myself up in order to attract the attention of people when I see them publicly. I don't know if that choice of outfit or whatever you're doing to attract other people is really a thought from God. We need to ask ourselves, are these thoughts making me become more like Jesus or not? If it's, if it's bringing up bitter jealousy or if it's bringing up selfish ambition in your heart, it's not God's will. It does say this though in verse 17, but the wisdom, the will of God from above is first pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Sometimes when we are in arguments with people, let's say on Facebook, let's say on Instagram or any social media um, platform, sometimes we want to get in fights and prove how right we are about a theological debate or how right we are about what we feel about uh, a government official or this or that or the other. And when it starts to stir up, like being shut down in our minds, that this is the way I think, this is the only way I think and nothing else. And we are not open to reason. Those thoughts are not from God. If you want to understand God's will, if you want to hear God's voice clearly, the thoughts are going to be pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, which means that we are quick to forgive those who have wronged us. And it brings about good fruits. What are the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, self-control. All these fruits are going to help us determine if what we have in our minds really is God's voice as opposed to our own voices. And third, the third question that I want you to ask when you're trying to delineate your voice from God's voice is does my church community confirm my thoughts? It says this in Ephesians 3.10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. It's saying here that the will of God is revealed through his church. And what is the church? It's not this building, beautiful building that we have. It's the people. And so God has not designed you to live life alone. He has designed you to be a part of a community of believers and Christ followers that are going to help confirm the thoughts in your minds. Here's the thing. Some of us might think, man, I really think that I should join the worship team because God is telling me that I need to join the worship team. And then pretty sure enough, we try out, but we're tone deaf. I hope to God that somebody in my community would tell me that 
you're actually tone deaf. That might not be the best place for you. You know what I'm saying? I think that sometimes we have to re- remember that the church and, and the community of believers and followers of Christ that we surround ourselves with can sometimes give us a reality check. Because sometimes we can be stuck in our thoughts and sometimes we can be grandiose in how we think God's speaking to us when actually it's how we feel about ourselves and our desires pushing out God's desires for our lives. And we're missing out on the fullness of a life that he designed for us, a church community. Other fellow followers of Christ can help us understand and confirm the thoughts that are in our minds. But then again, don't forget that I said this. If only one of these things are true and if a community is telling you not to do something, make sure you're asking all the other questions. We don't rely only on church community and other followers of Christ to tell us what God's voice is in our lives, but it is a great help and understanding if some of the decisions we are making are God honoring. Also, the church body helps us to understand if we're acting consistent with what with the way God has shaped us. Here's the thing, Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. You know, we were all created in the image of God and God created as created us a certain way in order to bring him glory. But we're not an entity in ourselves. We're part of a larger body. If I was to cut my finger, my my nerves there would send signals to my brain to let me know that I need to either get stitches, put a Band-Aid on, or if it gets infected, I would need to know how to deal with it. Each part of the body is necessary. And so if you think that you're gonna be able to hear God's voice in an body, of yourself, by yourself, always, and without the rest of your body, I think that you're sorely confused and sorely misled and misdirected. God gives us the church to bring about his manifold wisdom, his manifold will. He gives us a church community to help us bounce off some um, thoughts that we might have and confirm them. And number four, another question we can ask as we try to delineate our voice from God's voice, does my thought bring conviction or condemnation? You know, this is so key because this idea of what God do you want me to do can be so internal and we can get lost in our thoughts, but this is huge. We need to know the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is from God. Condemnation is from the enemy. It's from Satan. It's from the enemy of our souls. Conviction reveals to us what we need to change and condemnation reduces our value. Here's what I'm trying to say. If I do something wrong or outside of God's will, I'm gonna have conviction, hopefully from the Holy Spirit that says, probably shouldn't have lied about that. And that conviction will stay with me. But if I repent, it can go away to a certain degree, okay? But condemnation will reduce our value. And then we think about the lie that we told and then we just start telling us, man, I'm not worthy to be a Christian. Man, I'm like the worst person on the planet. What kind of mother am I? What kind of person am I? And this condemnation comes 
over us and that's from the enemy. And the enemy would want nothing more than to leave you in a, in a state of misery and no value, but God values his workmanship. He will not condemn you. It says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 2, 4, it says this, that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so if we're convicted, God's kindness brings us to a point of repentance and that conviction will go away. It only lasts as long as we wait to repent. But as soon as we repent, we are free in Jesus. And when we start, we continue to live in the the past of our mistakes. If we continue to live in that, then condemnation will take over. And that's not, not of God. Jesus Christ gives us full freedom when we're in relationship with him. And when we repent from our sins, sin separate us, separates us, but repentance brings us back. And Jesus made a way on the cross to give us full access to Jesus. And we're righteous because of him. So don't let condemnation keep you down any longer. The more condemnation we listen to, the less we are hearing God's voice and his value over us. So condemnation will last as long as we allow God's voice to drown out Satan's voice. Start drowning out those those negative comments, those condemning comments because they are not of God. That's how we'll be able to discern God's voice. And the fifth question I want you to ask is, do I sense God's peace in this thought. You know, I tell people all the time, especially when they're dating or if they're trying to figure out who they're marrying or who they want to marry, I always ask them about their relationships. Is there peace in the relationship? You know, there's a difference between the pressure to decide and the peace in a decision. I believe that peace comes over us when we're in God's will and we're following the inclinations of our heart. We can sometimes be good at ignoring the peace that God's given us and ignoring these these red flags or yellow flags and decisions that we're making and directions that we're going in our lives. But if we ignore those, then we end up having a pressure on our life and an and and the heaviness on our life, but God's peace that comes over us lightens a burden and and it's actually more compassion-driven. God's peace is compassion-driven, but the pressure of anything outside of his peace confuses us, confounds us, and it brings us to um, a compulsion to decide. There's a difference between pressure and peace and God's will for you is to have peace. You'll know that it's his voice if you have peace, if you have convicting thoughts, not condemning thoughts, and you will have peace if you uh, hear and have confirming thoughts and feedback from your church community. You'll have peace if you if you are becoming more like Jesus in the decisions that you're making. You'll have peace if your thoughts are lining up with the word of God. Those five questions are a great filter for you to really understand if something is God's will, if it's God's voice or if it's your own voice. But here's the thing, God's will is not just a filter to process things through because that would make God's will a formula. If God's will is a formula, then our journey on earth is just a bunch of rituals, just a bunch of religious routines, which actually makes us um, follow this thought of 
churchianity. Follow me with this. God's will is actually not a formula. It's not a filter to process things through. It's actually a relationship with a good, merciful, loving God. That's Christianity. That is what God wants for us, a relationship. Because here's what I'm afraid that we'll do as I've presented this you know, five filtered question. We, we, we turn it into a formula and we filter different thoughts through these five things. And then we determine, oh, this is his will. I'm gonna listen to it. And, um, and then I'm gonna follow it and I can't go wrong. But then God's will doesn't just become a formula. It becomes a future destination. God's will is a relationship with him. It's a relationship with God. You see, if we make God's will, just a formula or a future destination, then we'll do his will. And then we say, well, I don't need you anymore. I did your will. This is where you wanted me to be. And it was merely a destination. But what God's will is for us to have a relationship with him and for us to say, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever it means, whatever it looks like, I will do that because I am committed to you, not the destination, but to you, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God doesn't want us to depend on his will or, or this destination. He wants us to depend, to depend solely on him. God doesn't want you to depend only on his will or his destination that he's bringing you to. He wants you to depend solely on him. God's will is having full sufficiency in him and him alone. If God's will is a relationship, then if we grow deeper in our relationship with God, then we're going to become more attuned to his voice. To know God is to know his voice. That is his will. And let me end with this, Psalm 46:10. just really tugged at my heart this week because I know that we're going through a time that has left us a little confused and wondering what the future is. A lot of our futures are uncertain, but Psalm 46:10 it says this, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Church, if during this quarantine, where we don't have the distractions of meeting and gathering and being distracted by all these other things that we're normally distracted with. Would you agree with me that life has just slowed down and life has decreased? Some of us are still very busy in a different way, but we're not pulled in a lot of different directions. We're not even using the drive time that we normally have used up. Life has slowed down. And I believe that he's given us an opportunity to slow down and be still with him. If we're using this time in quarantine to to prioritize everything else but him, I wonder if we're actually doing God's will in this time. What are you prioritizing in your life? It says, be still and know that I am God. He in this silence, he in this shutdown, he in this quarantine, in this stillness, and in the slowness of this season, I believe is trying to get into your heart and wants to reveal himself more to you now than ever before. What are you doing in this quarantine to grab a hold of Jesus, to know him more, to prioritize a relationship with him? Are you getting in the word? 
word? Are you staying in the church community? Are you recognizing his peace? Are you praying? Are you pausing and waiting to hear back from him? I believe that's God's will for us in this quarantine. I pray that you aren't putting anything above God in this season because that's what the Bible tells us to do, right? To not put anything before him. I pray that you are asking, what would Jesus do so that I could become more like him? The more we become like him, the more that we know him. So if you are listening to this message and you feel like God's tugging at your heart and you are starting to hear his voice because of some of the truth that we heard in this message and the scriptures were open to us, I just wanna invite you into a relationship with Jesus. And truly it's the most important decision that you can make in your life. And a relationship with Jesus is gonna just bring you closer to hearing his voice and knowing his will. His will is his purpose for you. His will is the best relationship for you, the best job for you, the best direction for you. But mostly it's a relationship with an eternal God who loves you. So if that's you in this place, wherever you're at, you can just in your heart say, yes, I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to have a closer relationship with you. And I just want to pray with you to sort of solidify the decision that you made in your heart. Let's pray. Jesus, I come before you and I thank you that you gave me an opportunity to hear your word. So as we pray right now, I accept you into my life. I believe that you saved me and that you rose again so that I might have life. And I confess that I'm imperfect, that I sin and that I need a savior. I repent of those sins so that I can make my way back to you. The sin that separated me, God, it is no more because I'm receiving you into my life and Jesus makes me righteous. So I thank you for that. And God, I ask that you would give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. May you be Lord and I love you. Thank you so much in your precious name, amen. We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is gonna be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.